Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. 1-1 on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Ruben Nava here, one-man car. Uh, my partner is uh, is doing some apostolic work today. He will not be in. That's Jesse. And uh, But uh, <clears throat> got a good show on, on uh, tap today. We're going to be talking about, or I'm going to be talking about, St. Alphonsus Liguori. Now, he's one of my favorite saints, uh, moral theologian. And uh, I guess I was really enamored by him because the uh, little chapel that I went to for, ma- for mass, uh, um, I had, there was a uh, statue of St. Alphonsus there near the altar and uh, or on the altar uh, in the back. And so, in fact, that's the statue it was right behind me here. If you can see St. Alphonsus right between St. Michael and uh, the bust of, uh, the, uh, of our Lord. And so I, I inherited that uh, statue when um, a priest uh, passed away. And so it's, it's really special to me. So, uh, yeah, St. Alphonsus, he was born in September, September 27th, 1696. And he died August 1st, 1787. And um, he's, he's a moral theologian. Um, and St. Alphonsus, uh, he, he's also known as St. Alphonsus Maria de Liguori. And uh, he was born uh, in, uh, in Naples and uh, canonized. He, was, he died August 1st, 1787, Pagani, um, in Pagani, uh, Italy. He was canonized in 1839. His feast day is August 1st, typically, uh, you know, the day they die. He's uh, an Italian doctor of the church, one of the chief 18th century moral theologians and founder of the Redemptorists, a congregation dedicated primarily to, to parish and four missions. In 1871, he was named doctor of the church by Pope Pius IX. In 1950, he was named patron saint of moralists and confessors by Pope Pius XII. So <clears throat> this is a heavyweight. This is one of the big guys. Um, After practicing law for eight years, he was ordained a priest in 1726. In 1732, he founded the congregation, like I said, of the Most Holy Redeemer or the Redemptorist at Scala. But then uh, there was some dissension in the order, and uh, he uh, he ended up uh, leaving that, uh, being in charge there. And so in 1762, because Pope Clement Thirteenth made him Bishop of Santa Agata del Gatti near Naples, and then he resigned uh, in 1775 because of ill health. But he lived till till he was 90, so he had a long life. Um, what I'm really, what I really love, is all the 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 writings that this this great saint has done for us. It's all there, you know. Some are out of print, but um, I'll show you some of my collection right now and. Uh, they're just some of the best. Uh, it, three, it falls into three genres. Moral theology, you know, is best represented by his celebrated Theologia Moralis. That was in 1748. Uh, then his ascetical and devotional writings, including visits to the Blessed Sacrament. 
the true spouse of Jesus Christ, that's for nuns, and Selva, which is for priests. Uh, and another one he's, he's known for really well is the Glories of Mary, um, the latter of which became one of the most widely used manuals of devotion to the Virgin Mary and dogmatic writings on such subjects as papal infallibility and the power of prayer. His works have gone through several thousand editions and have been translated into more than 60 languages. So <clears throat> in, uh, in theology, Liguori is known as the principal exponent of equal probabilism, a system of principles designed to guide the conscience of one in doubt as to whether he or she is free from or bound by a, a given civil or religious law. And so I'm going to be... Um, Going over some a, a, a couple of his uh, writings from uh, his their sermons, and uh, I'll show you. He's got uh, he's written so many books. Here's here's one. I'm just going to hold up. Uh, you're watching on Facebook or Rumble. Saint Alphonsus Liguori, all for all the Sundays of the year. This is a devotional that I that I love. Um, just finished this one, the Way of Salvation, and. The, dude, the dignities and duties of a priest, the Holy Eucharist, the Holy Eucharist. Uh, and this is so far, it's my favorite because I do I, this. I use this book. It's, it's all beat up now because it's got so much use during Lent, the passion and the death of Jesus Christ. It's, it's a compilation of, of talks that he's done and writings he's done. And it, it just, wonderful the meditations that uh you you can get out of here is just priceless so uh i really fully recommend this and then this is a bigger uh version of the way of salvation here the way of salvation so uh yeah a lot to uh a lot to get into and uh saint alfonso's is a heavy weight like i said uh, so one of the topics that uh, i want to cover is a sermon he did on impurity. It, he calls it hell's widest gate. Okay, so as we as we know, more more uh, people, as like Our Lady of Fatima says that uh, more souls go to hell because of sins of the flesh than any other reason. And she also said certain fashions will will be introduced that will offend our Lord very much. And woe to women. Woe to women lacking in modesty. You know, uh, well, why is that? Because you know, men are are visual, and and uh, and that's why women, especially, need to be covered up. But it goes for men too. You know, men can't be vain and uh, immodest. You still have to, you know, you still have to cover up. And uh, but the fashions today, uh, many don't allow it. You know, many. Or, or the fashions that have come out, I should say, uh, they lack in modesty. Um, and also uh, the, the Blessed Mer uh, Mother said, um, the Mother of God wants more virgin souls bound by the vow of chastity. And the last one quote is, many marriages are not of God and do not please our Lord. So, um, and as she said, she said, if, if men only knew what eternity is, if men only knew what eternity is, they would do everything in the power to change their lives. And men, it's 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 our duty to get our families to heaven. Okay, so 
we have to be the spiritual leaders of our home. And that starts, you know, that's where it all starts in the home. Uh, that's our domestic church. And so uh, let's get into this. Uh, Matthew 7, 13, uh, St. Alphonsus quotes is from, it says, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there are who that go that way. And hell has different gates, but these gates stand on our earth. Her gates are sunk into the ground. Lamentations uh, 2, 9. These are vices by which men offend God and draw down upon themselves chastisement and eternal death. Among the other vices, there are four which send most souls to hell. And on this earth, bring upon men the scourges of God. And these four are hatred, blasphemy, theft, and impurity. Behold the four gates by which the greater number of souls enter hell. And it is of these four that I mean to speak today in order that you may amend and cure yourselves of these four vices. Otherwise, God will cure you of them, but by, by your own destruction. So um, hell being the widest gate, um, and that's where impurity sets in. We, we have now to speak of the fourth gate of hell, which is impurity, sexual sins. And it is by this gate that the greater number of damned enter. Some will say that it is a trifling sin. Is it a trifling sin? Is it a mortal sin? It is a mortal sin. St. Antoninus writes that such is the nauseousness of this sin that the devils themselves cannot endure it. Moreover, the doctors of the church say that certain demons who have been superior to the rest, remembering their ancient dignity, disdain tempting to do lonesome a sin. Consider then how disgusting he must be to God, who like a dog is ever returning to his vomit or wallowing like a pig in the stinking mire of this accursed vice. Uh, you can see 2 Peter uh, 2.22 for that. A dog returning to his vomit. Um, that's a that's a, a sick uh, thought, but that's what we're like um, when we're in sin. The impure say, moreover, God has compassion on us who are subject to this vice because he knows that we are flesh. What do you say? And St. Alphonsus replies, God has compassion on this vice, question mark. But you must know that the most horrible chastisements with which God has ever visited the earth have been drawn down by this vice. St. Jerome says that this is the only sin of which we read that it caused God to repent of having made man, for all flesh had been corrupted, Genesis 6, 6 through 12. Okay, uh, And so it is, St. Jerome says that there is no sin which God punishes so rigorously upon earth as this. He once sent fire from heaven upon five cities and consumed all the inhabitants of this sin. Uh, but we remember Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 18 and 19. So, okay, I hear the music. So we are going to be back uh, talking about St. Alphonsus and continuing with his sermon on Hell's White Escape. We'll be right back. Don't change that dial. Back to Jesus 911. 
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, Virgin Most Powerful Radio, one man car today. And uh, we're talking about St. Alphonsus, one of my favorite saints uh, of all time. And so, uh, you know, hopefully yeah, you could start uh, looking into him if you haven't done any done so uh, or read any of his writings. Just phenomenal. Uh, it's, it's the kind of stuff that you you want to hear from the pulpit today. And uh, it's sort of lacking, I would say, uh, especially in the modern church. Uh, nothing that's challenging to especially to us men uh we need we need to be pushed and we need to be challenged we need to be uh, uh you know kind of put on blast as the kids like to say and so um san alfonso's uh, in this uh sermon on uh the hell's widest gate of impurity and he just reminded us of 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 what god you know consumed the inhabitants of sodom and gomorrah so this is a sin that's uh, very displeasing to our Lord. And uh, he goes on to say, principally on account of this sin, did God destroy mankind with the exception of eight persons by the flood? It is a sin which God punishes not only in, uh, not only in the other life, but also in this, this life. Because God, says God, you have forgotten me and turned your back upon me for a miserable pleasure of the flesh. I am resolved that even in this life, you shall pay the price of your wickedness. Ezekiel 23, 35. You say God has compassion upon men subject to this sin. But, is, but it is this sin that sends most men to hell. St. Remigius uh, says that the greater number of the damned are in hell through this vice. Excuse me. Father Sig- Segneri writes that as this vice fills the world with sinners, so it fills hell with damned souls. And before him, St. Bernardine of Siena wrote, this, saw, this sin draws the whole world, draws the whole world, as it were, into sin. And before him, St. Bernard and St. Isidore said that the human race is brought under the power of the devil power of the devil uh, more by lust than by any other vice. So all these great saints that are, are saying the same thing. The reason is because this vice proceeds from the natural inclination of the flesh. Hence, St. Thomas Aquinas says that the devil does not take such complacency in securing the commission of any other sin as this one, because the person who is plunged into this is an infernal mire remains lodged therein and almost wholly unable to free himself again. And, you know, you guys, uh, you think about it. Uh, uh, what has happened in, in this world, probably going all the way back to the beginning of uh, Hugh Hefner and Playboy, the, uh, the pornography has uh, simply infiltrated uh, the Internet. And, uh, in, and it is rampant. Uh, when they did a survey of, of the amount of, of of men that look at pornography, I, I, I don't have that number off the top of my head, but it was more than fifty percent. And unfortunately, and the other thing is that the the amount of women that are looking at it has gone up in drastically in the last in the last uh, five to ten years. <clears throat> so it's not just the sin that the men commit, and uh, you know we have to have custody of our eyes, and uh, 
And so that, that means that we can't look on, look onto immodesty and, uh, you know, just think that, uh, remember all these, these women that are, uh, shown in these books, they, they are children of God, you know, they're, they're in sin, of course, but, uh, they also have a father and a mother in some cases, you know, they, they have people that love them. And, uh, so don't forget that, that, you know, those, when you objectify them, you, you take away their humanity and you just look at them as a, as a thing, as a, something to be abused. And, uh, and so that's just not right. <clears throat> and for this reason, you know, uh, God has some of the harsher, harshest penalties for those who are mired in this sin. And, um, you know, uh, you know, I've read about guys that have gone years being able to kick this, this uh, addiction to pornography, and uh, and it's 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 very sad. But yeah, it's it's one of those sins that you can't do it on your own. You you have to get on your knees. You have to do some penance, you know, some crying, and um, be serious about your changing your life. <clears throat> so, Saint. Um, no one is, is so obstinate in sin as the impure St. Thomas of Villanova says. Moreover, this vice deprives one of all light. For the impure man becomes so blind as almost wholly to forget God, says St. Lawrence Justinian, which is in accordance with what is said by the prophet Hosea. They will not set their thoughts to return to their God, for the spirit of fornication is in the midst of them, and they have not known God. Hosea 5.4. The impure obeys only the sensual appetite, which causes him to act like a beast. Um, That's true. The sin, because it flatters, makes us fall at once into the habit of it, a habit which some carry with them even to death. You see husbands and decrepit old men indulge in the in the same thoughts and committing the same sins that they were committed in their youth. And because sins of this kind are so easily committed, they become multiplied without number. Ask of the sinner how many impure thoughts he has consented to. He will tell you he cannot remember. But, brother, if you cannot tell the number, God can. And you know that a single willful, willful immodest thought is enough to send you to hell. How many scandalized your neighbor from thoughts and words you proceed to acts and those innumerable impurities, which those wretches roll and wallow in like swine without ever being satisfied. <clears throat> For this vice is never satisfied. But, but, uh, and, and, you know, when you talk to uh, people, you read about people who are mired in this sin uh, and, fact that they it's very hard for them to get out but they it's like they gravitate it's just like a drug addiction they they start with a lower level drug maybe marijuana and gradually it's 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 a a gateway drug so it's you start going to other stuff harder cocaine heroin methamphetamine uh and you see people that are caught up in pornography and impurity, they they'll they start getting into uh, just really uh, 
your bestiality, they get into, uh, um, I don't even know all the names of these things that, uh, you know, where they're beating people in the, in, in the sex act. And uh, they, it's just one abomination after another, and it just gets worse. So uh, I just have to uh, implore you folks out there listening to do your best and make it make that have a firm purpose of amendment while we're here in advent we need to to you know do some penance and uh make ourselves right with god and, and welcome the christ child in at christmas so let's be ready to receive him um anyway that's just those are just my thoughts since you are flesh why do you throw yourself in the way of sin saint alphonsus asked why do you not guard your eyes? Why do you gaze upon those objects from which temptations flow? It is to be remarked, moreover, that this sin brings with it innumerable others, enmities, thefts, and more, especially sacrilegious confessions and communions. By reason of the, same, the shame, which will not allow these impurities to be disclosed in confession. Hmm. <clears throat> Remember, guys, guys and gals. You can't scandalize the priest. He's heard everything, okay? So don't think that you're so special that your sins are, uh, <laughs> he's never heard them before, okay? <clears throat> so we got to get them out. We got to get them off our chest. And let us remark here in passing that it is a sacrilege above all things that brings upon us sickness and death, or says the apostle, he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the body of the Lord. And then he adds, therefore, are many infirm and weak among you. First Corinthians uh, 11, 29 and 30. There, St. Paul's talking about the Eucharist and, and that we aren't to uh, partake of it in an unworthy ma manner. And uh, St. John Chrysostom, in explanation of this passage, says that St. Paul speaks of persons who were chastised with bodily infirmities because they received the sacrament with a guilty conscience. Many brethren, should you ever have been sunk in this vice, I do not bid you to be disheartened, but arise at once from this foul and infernal pit. Beg of God immediately to give you light. And stretch out his hand to you. The first thing that you have to do is to break with the occasion of sin. Without that, preaching and tears and resolutions and confessions, they're all lost. Remove the occasions of sin and then constantly recommend yourself to God. And to Mary, the mother of purity. No matter how grievously you may be tempted, do not be discouraged by the temptation. At, at once call to your aid, Jesus and Mary, pronouncing their sacred names. You know, the, the, the demons flee when you say the names of Jesus and Mary, you know. And most people, uh, they know when a temptation is coming, okay? It's not like you're, you're blindsided most of the time. It's, you know, you feel that temptation and you have to, you have to put up your armament. You have to go on the offensive. And not sit back and bunker down, hunker down because you know you're getting incoming, incoming fire. You you gotta you know get up and and you know lay cover fire. You've got to fight back, and and that's what we we do with these prayers. Um, 
to Jesus and Mary. Saint Joseph, terror demons, protect my purity. Uh, that's a that's a good prayer for you guys, um, because Satan hates Saint Joseph too uh, because of his humbleness and his purity. So don't be discouraged. Uh, call on Jesus and Mary. These blessed names have the power of making the devil fly and stifling that hellish flame within you. If the devil persists in tempting you, persevere in calling upon Jesus and Mary, and certainly you shall not fall. In order to rid yourself of your evil habits, undertake some special devotion to Our Lady. Begin to fast in her honor upon Saturdays. Contrive to visit her image every day and beg of her to obtain for you deliverance from that vice. Every morning, immediately after rising, never omit saying three Hail Marys in honor of her purity. And do the same thing when you go into bed. So three Hail Marys in the morning, three Hail Marys at night, okay, for her purity. And beware, brother, if you do not be converted now, you may never be converted. So anyway, uh, we'll be back. We'll be going on to uh, the second step of this, the miserable state of relapsing sinners. And uh, in the last segment, we'll be, we'll be talking about Babe Ruth. All right. Be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Uh, I've talked about St. Alphonsus the Gory and some of his sermons that he's giving on uh, on some of the sins that are uh, the worst sins, the sins that the whitest gate. He says uh, that that the gates the house widest gate is is impurity and so uh he's going to talk about the miserable state of relapsing sinners okay so those who fall back into the the same sins he and, and um man I, I could you imagine if you you had you know your parish priest was uh was giving sermons like this it was it, it it would change the church. And uh, I'm, I'm sure, I mean, we have some very good priests out there that do do great jobs, but, uh, but in a lot of parishes they're lacking because they, they want uh, to be accepted by the congregation and they don't want the money baskets to stop flowing. You know, they, they people hear things that they can't, they can't swallow things that uh, are upsetting to them or challenges them. Uh, a lot of times they they push back and uh, they put up their guard and they say, "Oh, not not me, man! Don't don't come at me like that, Father. You know who are you to tell me what goes on in my bedroom? You know." Um, so and that was one of the the rallying cries, you know, when uh, they had uh, they were pushing for contraception, you know, back in the '60s. <clears throat> so the miserable state of relapsing sinners. I hope, my dear Christians, that as Christ is, is risen, you have in this holy Paschal time gone to confession. And uh, so obviously this, this, this sermon was being given during Lent. And have risen from your sins, but attend to what St. Jerome teaches, that many begin well, but few persevere. Now the Holy Spirit declares that he who perseveres in holiness to death and not they who begin a good life shall be saved. But he that shall persevere to the end, he shall be saved. Matthew 24, 13. So when you hear, I'm 
now this is my commentary. Well, when you hear about uh, our non-Catholic uh, brothers um, saying, yeah, I was saved on, you know, July 1st and, you know, but it, that's, that, that's not the gospel. You know, this, like you said, you have to persevere to the end. It's not a one-time act. I, I, I gave my life to Christ on July 1st and, you know, I'm saved. And you, then you live a, live a life of debauchery. And, and when I was working the streets, I'd, I'd come across, you know, like, especially heroin addicts, older guys, these guys were in their forties, fifties, sixties, still doing drugs. And, 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 uh, I talked to some of them, they were like, yeah, but I'm, but I'm going to church now. Uh, but you're still using, I, I mean, yeah, you, you gotta get, you gotta get cleaned up. <clears throat> uh, but they think that they're okay because some pastor has told them that, Hey, once saved, always saved. And, uh, so they don't put much effort into getting clean because they don't have that uh, the fear of hell riding over their head. Anyway, just my thought. The crown of paradise, says St. Bernard, is promised to those who commence, but is given only to those who persevere. <clears throat> Since then, brethren, you have resolved to give yourself to God. Listen to the admonition of the Holy Spirit. Quote, son, when you... Come to the service of God, stand in justice and in fear, and prepare yourself for temptation. That's from Sirach 2.1. Do not imagine that you shall have no more temptations, but prepare yourself for the combat and guard against a relapse into the sins you have confessed. For if you lose the grace of God again, you shall find it difficult to recover. I intend this day to show you the miserable state of relapsing sinners, that is, of those who, after confession, miserably fall back into the sins which they confessed. Since then, dearly beloved Christians, you have made a sincere confession of your sins. Jesus Christ says to you what he says to the paralytic. Behold, you art made whole. Sin no more, lest some worse thing happen to you. John 5, 14. So by confessions which you have made, your souls are healed, but not as yet saved. For if you return to sin, you shall be again condemned to hell. And the injury caused by the relapse shall be far greater than that which you sustained from your former sins. <clears throat> Audis, uh says St. Bernard. Uh, and if a man recover from a mortal's disease and afterwards fall back into it, he shall have lost so much of his natural strength that his recovery from the relapse will be impossible. This is precisely what will happen to relaxing sinners returning to the vomit that is taken back into the soul. The sins vomited forth in confession, they have to be so weak that they will become objects of amusement to the devil. Wow. So, you know, he's talking, the devil, uh, he has these, these sinners are, are so entrenched in the clutches of the devil. He has them already. He doesn't have to do much with them because they, they're already worth serving him. And uh, it's when you start going back, you're trying to change your life. That's when this, the attacks really will come at you. St. Anselm says that the devil acquires a certain dominion over them so that he makes them fall and fall again as he wishes. Hence, the miserable beings become like birds with which a child amuses himself. He allows them from time to time to fly to a certain height and then draws them back again 
when he pleases by means of a cord held fast to them. Such is the manner in which the devil treats relapsing sinners. But since by the enemy they are held fast, they are pulled down into the same vices. St. Paul tells us that we have to contend not with, with men like ourselves, made of flesh and blood, but with the princes of hell. Our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers. Ephesians 7, 12. I think you're all familiar with that verse. By these words, he wishes to admonish us <clears throat> that we have strength to resist the powers of hell. And that to resist them, the divine aid is absolutely necessary. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Without it, we shall be always defeated. But with the assistance of God's grace, we shall, according to the same apostle, be able to do all things and shall conquer all enemies. Remember uh, St. Paul, he quotes St. Uh, Paul in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. But this assistance God gives only to those who pray for it. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. That's Matthew 7, 7. They who neglect to ask do not receive. Let us then be careful not to trust in our resolutions. If we place our confidence in them, we shall be lost. When we are tempted to relapse into sin, we must put our whole trust in the assistance of God who and infallibly hears all who invoke his aid. He that thinks himself to stand, let him take heed lest he fall. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. They who are in the state of grace should, according to St. Paul, be careful not to fall into sin, particularly if they have been ever guilty of mortal sins, for a relapse into sin brings greater evil on the soul. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. That's, that's in Luke eleven twenty six. 26. So we're told in scripture that the enemy will offer victims to his uh, sane and, and will sacrifice to his net because through them his meal is made sumptuous. Habakkuk 1 uh, 16. Uh, that's from the book of Habakkuk. In explaining the passage, St. Jerome says that the devil seeks to catch in his nets all men in order to sacrifice them to the divine justice by their damnation. Sinners who are already in the net, he endeavors to bind them with new chains but the friends of God are his sumptuous meats to make them his slaves and to rob them of all they have acquired. And he prepares stronger snares. <clears throat> Did you hear that? That those, those Christians, those people who are close to God, friends of God, they're sumptuous meats to these demons because there's like a prize catch. Okay. So you're, <clears throat> you're, you're saved with the blood of Christ. I mean, you're, you're, clean cleansed by the blood of christ let's let's work hard to to keep that and so that christ christ's uh, crucifixion and his passion and death uh, it's so it's not in vain <clears throat> uh, to make them his slaves that rob them of all they have acquired he prepares stronger snares the more fervently says dennis the carthusian a soul endeavors to serve god the more fiercely does the adver adversary rage against it. The closer the union of a Christian with God and the greater his efforts to serve God, the more the enemy is armed with rage and the more strenuously he labors to enter into the soul from which he has been expelled. When, says the Redeemer, the unclean spirit is gone out of a man seeking rest and not finding 
any, he says, I will return to my house from whence I came out. Luke eleven twenty four. Should he succeed in re-entering, he will not enter alone, but will bring with him associates to fortify himself in the soul, which he has again got possession of. Thus, the second destruction of that miserable soul shall be greater than the first, and the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. To God, the relapse of ungrateful Christians is very displeasing, because after he had called and pardoned them with so much love, he sees that forgetful of his mercies to them, they again turn back upon him and renounce his grace. If my enemy had reviled me, I would truly have borne with it. But you, a man of one mind, my guide and familiar, who did take sweet meats together with me. Psalm, that's from Psalms 54, 13. Had my enemy, says the Lord, insulted me, I would have felt less pain. But to see you rebel against me after I had restored my friendship to you and after I had made you sit at my table to eat my own flesh grieves me to the heart and impels me to take vengeance on you. How miserable the man who, after having received so many graces from God, becomes the enemy after being the friend of God. He shall find the sword of divine vengeance prepared to chastise him. And he that passes over from justice to sin, God has prepared such a one for the sword. Wow. St. Alphonse is not sugarcoating it. No, by no means. He's telling you like it is, man. He's, he's coming straight at you. He's telling you, this is what's going to happen. You know, th- this is not some kumbaya. We have to, we're in it to win it. And we're, this is a fight to the death. Okay. So anyway, I hear the music and we're, we're going to just, uh, we're going to change gears here. Uh, there's more to this, uh, this discourse here, this uh, sermon, but we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about Babe Ruth, a little lighter subject. Okay. So we come back. Didn't know Babe Ruth was a Catholic. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, we're back. Um, one man car. We're talking, uh, we, we just finished up with the uh, sermons from uh, St. Alphonsus the Gory, the great... <laughs> St. Alphonsus. So I highly recommend that uh, you pick up some of those books that I showed you in the first segment um, just to meditate on. You know, we have to, uh, you know, we try to try to meditate, you know, 15, 20 minutes a day, not 30 minutes a day to, uh, on the subjects that you're reading, whether it be scripture or one of these these books on uh, on uh, that St. Alphonsus writes. The passion and death of Jesus and and on um, the Blessed Mother. There's just so many things, so many topics you could meditate on. Uh, we'll switch gears to talk about Babe Ruth. I didn't know he was a Catholic. And uh, Babe Ruth, uh, one of the most famous, you know, uh, baseball players of all time. He's an icon. He uh, he's uh, in the Baseball Hall of Fame. In 1936, he was entered there. Most valuable player in 1923, two-time All-Star Baseball Hall of Fame inducted in, into third in 1936. World Championships, batting titles, you know, you name it. ERA leader. Um, Babe Ruth, by name of George Herman Ruth Jr., also called the Bambino and the Sultan of Swat. And he was born in uh, February 6, 1895 in Baltimore, Maryland. He died August 16, 1948 in New York, New York. Uh, he was, uh, his early life was tough. Uh, part of a, 
the the aura surrounding Ruth arose from his modest origins, though the legend that he was an orphan is untrue. So Babe Ruth, he did have a difficult childhood. Both his parents, George Herman Ruth Sr. and Kate Schamberger Ruth, came from working class ethnic German families. And Ruth Sr. owned and operated a saloon in a tough neighborhood on the Baltimore waterfront, living in the rooms above the salon, saloon, not the salon, the saloon. Um, the Ruths had eight children, but only George Jr., the firstborn, and the younger sister survived to adulthood. Since neither his busy father nor his sickly mother had much time for the youngster, George roamed the streets, engaged in petty thievery, chewed tobacco, sometimes got drunk, repeatedly skipped school, and had several run-ins with the law. In 1902, his parents sent him to St. Mary's Industrial School for Boys in Baltimore, Maryland, Asylum for Incorrigibles and Orphans run by the Xavierian Brothers, Order of the Roman Catholic Church. So that's probably the Xavierian. That's probably from uh, St. Francis Xavier. Uh, for the next 10 years, Ruth was in and out of St. Mary's. When his mother died from tuberculosis in 1912, he became a per permanent ward of the school. And uh, I'm going to tell you that uh he says that uh babe ruth from his own words he said that uh don't get the idea that i'm proud of my my harem scarum youth uh babe ruth wrote in a letter is i'm not i simply i had a rotten start in life and life and it took me a long time to get to my bearings um so babe uh said when he was growing up he hardly knew his parents spent much of his time much of his childhood hanging around his father's saloon in baltimore Looking back to his youth, um, he says, I honestly don't think I knew the difference between right and wrong. And so when he was started at St. Mary's, he started to turn his life around, mostly thanks to brother Matthias Boltlier, CFX, uh, a six foot six, 250 pound religious who used baseball to get through to the young babe. He was the greatest man I have ever known, babe said. He could have been successful at anything he wanted in life. And he chose the church. It's a big compliment. Brother Matthias, Matthias taught Babe how to catch, throw, and most importantly, hit a baseball. Consequently, he was the, the first to rec re recognize this future legend's natural talent. Thanks in large part to Brother Matthias' instruction in 1914, at just 19 years old, Babe left St. Mary's to begin his professional baseball career. Within a few years, the babe was making a name for himself uh, and on his way to earning his place as the greatest ever. Unfortunately, the Sultan of Swat said that he let the fame go to his head. He strayed from the church, uh, um, which a lot of people do uh, when they leave the home. Um, you know, people, they have, they don't have anyone telling them they need to go to church and they sometimes stray and they get caught up in the world. It happens to a lot of us. Um, so he said, I don't think I, I forgot my religious training. I just overlooked it. He wrote to guideposts. I prayed often and hard, but the swift temple of living shoved religion into the background. So even though he lived a prodigal life, the Colossus of Clout always thought back to his Catholic instruction with reverence. The lads who, who get religious training get it where it counts, in the roots. They may fail it, but it never fails them, he wrote. And the babe said that even during his heavy years of drinking and womanizing, he frequently knelt to pray before a big window in his apartment overlooking the New York City lights. 
the more I think of it, the more important I feel it is to give kids the works as far as religion is concerned. They'll never want to be holy. They'll act like tough monkeys in contrast, but somewhere inside will be a, a solid little chapel, Babe said. And that's true. You know, so you hear some parents saying, I'm just going to, I'm going to bring my kids up with no, no faith and let them choose when they become older. And they choose nothing. They choose nothing. You have to bring them up in the faith. That's your duty, parents, right? And uh, school them in their faith. And then uh, Babe um, received a, a miraculous medal. So he goes on to say that that solid little chapel inside Babe opened wide in his final days in December 1946 before undergoing a serious operation. The Babe realized that he might be facing the end. A close friend called a Catholic chaplain for him, and the great Bambino made a full confession. The chaplain said he would return in the morning to give Babe communion. He assured Babe that he didn't need to observe the night-long fast. The titan of terror, however, fasted anyway, writing that he didn't consume so much as a drop of water that night. Babe says, as I lay in bed that evening, I thought to myself, what a comforting feeling it was to be free from fear and worries. I now could simply turn them over to God, the babe wrote. And isn't that true? I'll, I'll, on my comment here, you know, when you go to confession, remember the priest says, and I, and I give you pardon and peace. That peace is so powerful. That's the peace that only Christ can give us. And, uh, and that's what babe was experiencing here free from all worries because his sins were forgiven him. And uh, we're not made to carry those sins, uh, folks. Okay, get them off your chest. If you haven't been to confession in a while, today's the day. Make it make it a point to find a, a church and make an appointment if, if they don't have confession today at your church. or uh, For sure, on Saturdays, every church has confession. So around this time, his wife brought him a letter from a child from, New, from Jersey City, New Jersey, which made an impact on him. The child wrote to Babe, Dear Babe, everybody in the seventh grade is pulling and praying for you. I am enclosing a medal, which if you wear it will make you better. Your pal, Mike Quinlan. P.S. I know this will be your 61st homer. You'll hit it. And he's alluding to the fact that Babe Ruth at one time had hit clobbered 60 home runs in a season, which was the, the, the record at that point until uh, another New York Yankee, uh, Roger Maris broke it at 61. Yeah. So, uh, and then to this, just this year, Aaron judge, um, he broke the American league record, which, uh, was 62. He hit, he hit 62 this year. Aaron judge did with the Yankees. And, uh, I mean, there's, there's guys in the national league that have hit more home runs, uh, like Barry Bonds and, uh, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, but again, that's clouded under that suspicion of, uh, uh, you know, the steroid era. So, but in any, in any case, they still had to hit the ball. So I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to judge them, but uh, anyway, what Babe Ruth did with that miraculous medal, he pinned it to his pajama coat. He says, I've worn the, the medal constantly ever since. And he says, I'll wear it to my grave. So the Babe, uh, died uh, with his Catholic faith. And, you know, that name, uh, Babe, I was wondering where he got that. He, he obtained the name Babe when a sports writer referred to him as one of 
Dunn's Babes. Dunn's was a, a Jack Dunn was the owner of a, a local minor league Baltimore Orioles franchise. And uh, he was sold to the Boston Red Sox that same year. And he was a pitcher, by the way. Uh, he started off as a pitcher. So he hit so well, you know, normally like pitchers aren't very good hitters because they don't work on it, but Babe could hit. So it's kind of like the uh, the guy from the Angels, uh, the Japanese guy. Um, I'm, I'm forgetting his name now, but he he pitches. And when he's not pitching, he plays first base, you know, and Babe Ruth was playing in the outfield or playing first base when he wasn't pitching so they could get his bat in the lineup. Uh, eventually, he was uh, sold to the, the New York Yankees from the Red Sox, and uh, they made him a, a, a regular field player, even though he was uh, a, a champion pitcher. I mean, this guy, he was the earn run average leader one year, and um, he he won 87 games. and He had an ERA of earn run average of only 2.16. He won three World Series games, and, and – uh, and during a streak for scoreless World Series innings, he set a record by pitching 292 and a third consecutive shutout innings. Oh, my goodness. I, this is all news to me. This is amazing. But uh, the, the main point, point I'm making here is that this was a superstar that uh, of his day that didn't give up on his faith. Yeah, he, he strayed away from it. Um, but when it mattered most, yeah. He came back and that that faith that had been instilled in him by the brothers at St. Mary's came through and uh, it brought him around. And so, too, with your children, folks, you know, uh, you're praying daily like I am for mine that um, if they should stray from the faith and they know that, you know, they were taught and brought up in the faith. Have have confidence that they will return. Uh, that's the hope in God and 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 alluding going back to St. Uh, Alphonsus. Stay in a state of grace so that our prayers will be efficacious for our families, for our children, for our loved ones. And uh, you can make a difference in their lives because you uh, are a praying warrior. Okay. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, you know, maybe we'll, I'll, I'll do some more uh, shows with all San Alfonso sermons, but uh, that's a wrap for today. If you like what you hear, share it with other friends and uh, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just a regular Joe, regular guy, just like you. And uh, I just love my faith and love my my uh, church. And uh, and so I just try to share my faith with you. And so stay tuned for Hands-On Apologetics with Gary Mishuda from the Midwest Command Center. And we'll, we are uh, 10-8, or 10-7 now, we're in the watch. We'll talk to you next week. God bless you. Keep the faith.